Hello and welcome once again to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I am Patrick. And I'm Tony. And we are in the midst of learning about our evidentialist apologetic brothers and figuring out what exactly <laughs> is it that they believe. So yeah. uh, we're talking of, uh, from our book, Faith Has Its Reasons, and uh, we're in chapter nine right now. Uh, in the previous one, we looked at kind of the big names of the evidentialists uh, movement. And uh, we've seen that uh, kind of from the uh, post-modern uh, period uh, up till today, uh, that's kind of where it uh, uh, started to gain popularity and uh, more so uh, even today, uh, utilizing different uh, uh, different avenues that we um, see in other areas of life, including uh, witness testimony and um, uh, law and uh, other factors. And then uh, on top of that, the, the historicity uh, and and looking at um, uh, the possibility of things like miracles, all those have been uh, kind of uh, uh, gobbled up by the evidentialists. And so uh, today we're going to uh, go through chapter nine and probably next time and uh, look at the different um, uh, focuses that evidentialists have and, and kind of responding to uh, not quite our questions yet, but uh, uh, getting the basis for um, how they respond or what they respond to. Right. And and you'll notice with this chapter that they use John Warwick Montgomery as basically the paradigm approach to uh, evidentialist apologetics. And so he'll be mentioned a lot as we go through here. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, the title of John Warwick Montgomery's best known book, Faith Founded on Fact, there's uh, our alliteration for the day, uh, well, <laughs> well illustrates the methodological perspective of the evidentialist model of apologetics. Evidentialists believe that, quote, the facts speak for themselves. Of course they do, right? Yeah, All the time. Exactly. There's, there's, there's no wavering. If the facts are out there, everyone looks at them and go, well, I can't argue with those. <laughs> right. <laughs> that the best uh, approach for to defending the Christian faith is simply to present the factual evidence for the crucial claims of Christ. Maybe some more alliteration there. Well, in this chapter, then, we're going to consider some details that the evidentialist system of apologetics in order to come to terms with the distinctive ways it responds to the challenges facing the Christian apologist. Right. And so, you know, as you mentioned here, their methods for discovering the truth is basically the facts, right? Evidentialism and Christian apologetics, our authors tell us, uh, seek to show the truth of Christianity by demonstrating its factuality. Whereas classical apologetics characteristically regards logic or reason as the primary criterion of truth, evidentialism, as you mentioned, characteristically assigns this priority to not logic or reason, but to fact. And so that's what they focus on. Right. Well, and any good book uh, uh, on, on any part of this, we'll start off with our definition. So we have to clarify what it is uh, that we mean by the term evidentialism, because there's kind of two types of evidentialism um, uh, kind of known. And so we want to define exactly uh, what's being discussed here. So evidentialism in evangelical Christian apologetics should be carefully distinguished from epistemological evidentialism, the, how we know things. Uh, which adheres to uh, W.K. Cliff Clifford's uh, dictum that it is wrong everywhere, always, and for anyone to believe anything upon insufficient evidence, which yeah. might sound good, but it's a little bit different of what we're talking about 
Uh, here, uh, Clifford's maxim has rightly been questioned for a variety of, of perspectives. For one thing, the statement itself is not one on which we can even imagine what would constitute sufficient evidence. What would count for or against evidence for the maximum? And that's where we kind of run into problems with uh, the other side of the argumentation for Christianity as well is, uh, well, that's just not good evidence. Well, okay, can, can you clarify <laughs> what you mean by good evidence? Nope, nope, you, you, you've just got to be able to convince me. Okay, yeah. convince you, but it's convinced me. So, you know, is the standard you or is the standard uh, some some um, objective person, uh, if, if that's possible? What, what is it uh, that we, we mean by sufficient evidence? And right. so we have that issue here. Yeah, and so that's that's one of the issues that they point out. I think we can slightly modify this particular criticism as well. So it's not, you know, what do you mean by sufficient evidence? That's that's an extremely important issue here with regard to criticism of Clifford. But notice they say what would count for or against evidence for his maxim. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> that it's wrong everywhere, uh, always. So what would, what's the evidence for that, right? So what's the sufficient evidence for that? So they that's kind of like a two-pronged, you know, criticism there. Exactly. Another one they give us is um, uh, it establishes what we might call an epistemological uh, idea of suspicion, right? In other words, uh, the belief that we should consider all beliefs false unless proven true by sufficient evidence. But of course, we can ask the question as they do, why should the burden of proof be placed on a belief rather than on its denial? And so here's the illustration they give us. They say, if I believe that the world exists as a reality independent of my senses, I'm perfectly right to adhere to this belief in the absence of reason or evidence to the contrary. Right. And so right. why should we place the the burden of proof on the belief instead of his denial? And Clifford really doesn't tell us that. Right. So, yeah, those are so so they're going to reject that kind of uh, evidentialism, the Cliffordian, we might yeah. say, evidentialism. Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, apologetic evidentialism does not assume epistemological evidentialism, and m most, if not all, evidentialist apologists would reject Clifford's maximum. If we were to formulate a maximum of evidentialist apologetics, it would be something like this. It is wrong everywhere, always, and for anyone to tell someone else to believe something other than on the basis of evidence. So that's what they're talking about. So it is wrong to tell someone else to believe something other than on the basis of evidence. So evidence is being the key there. So in other words, evidentialism in apologetics places a certain burden of proof on the apologist to show non-Christians why it is rational to believe in Christ. Yeah. Okay. So, and they call this apologetical evidentialism, right? As opposed to epistemological evidentialism that Clifford has. So they, so they make this distinction here to help us to understand what's going mm -hmm. on. All right. So next they move to the priority of fact and induction as an approach for evidentialist uh, apologetics, right? And they tell us that although there are different varieties of evidentialist apologetics, they have several crucial aspects in common, and we'll look at probably three or four here that they'll give us. So the first one 
uh, evidentialism is primarily inductive rather than deductive in its logical form, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the kind of the distinction here is induction has to do with probability, deduction has to do with necessity in terms of the relationship between the premises and the conclusion, right? So evidentialism focuses on inductive uh, inference as opposed to deductive inference. And so they say that uh, we say primarily, obviously, because deductive uh, deduction does play a role in evidentialist arguments, as of course you know induction plays a role in classical apologetics. And uh, it would be a mistake to characterize evidentialism as relying solely on inductive argument. Nevertheless, evidentialists insist that the verification of the central claims of Christianity unavoidably involves induction. So there's a focus on the inductive uh, logic as opposed right. to deductive. Right. And that's what they're they're going to push here. Well, the priority assigned to factual evidence over uh, against rational deduction means does not mean that evidentialists are critical of reason or logic. According to Montgomery, he says the law of contradiction and the logical thinking based upon it are not optional. They must be employed for any meaningful thought theological or otherwise. However, evidentialists are suspicious of logic employed in a speculative manner, and they emphasize that rational arguments are only as good as the facts which they work. So logical coherence or consistency is at best a negative test for truth because it is possible to construct a coherent worldview that is actually false. Montgomery observes that the greatest of the world's madmen have held the most consistent delusions. Good quote, good yeah, quote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so notice they suggest that even in a deductive argument, you still have to deal with facts, right? The premises, if true, force the conclusion to be true. But now you have to ask the question, are, are the premises factual? Are they true? And so they're suggesting that you always eventually have to deal with the with the facts when you're when you're doing argumentation. So kind of interesting there. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the first one there, this priority of uh, induction over deduction. Secondly, they tell us the probability character of evidentialist arguments. Now, clearly, evidentialist apologetics of all stripes hold um, to this second crucial aspect. The conclusions of the apologetic arguments they employ are shown to be probable rather than certain. And of course, this follows from the inductive nature of the arguments typically uh, employed. So inductive reasoning assembles facts and argues, they tell us, that a particular conclusion offers the best or most probable explanation of the facts. And so that's, that's another uh, general characteristic of the evidentialist arguments. Right. The probability of the conclusions. Right. So this might bristle some uh, because we're not talking about certainty or, uh, you know, we're not saying here that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, for certain uh, God exists, but uh, they're doing it based on the uh, the outcome of this induction of talking about, well, it's probably true, uh, e even to the point of uh, being uh, almost absolutely certain. Well, this lack of certainty is one of the most commonly criticized aspects of the evidentialist approach. Evidentialists respond to this complaint on two different levels. On one level, they insist that the lack of rational certainty is dictated by the nature of the Christian message. So for Montgomery, the probabilistic character of apologetic argument is an unavoidable result of the fact that the Christian faith centers on a historical event. So 
uh, even witnessing it or, or uh, um, uh, attributing it uh, a miracle to uh, things like the resurrection or the feeding of the 5,000, uh, you're still not uh, a guaranteed certainty uh, here, according to Montgomery. And uh, when we're talking about historical events, uh, we're talking uh, about things that uh, most likely happened uh, because of the nature of, of, of historical events in, in general. Well, while he admits that his evidential apologetics leads only to a high level of probability, he points out that we never uh, have absolute rational certainty in our knowledge of the real world in in uh, in general, uh, uh, even. So to 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 uh, have a desire for evidential apologetics to produce absolute certainty, he says, "Well, you don't even have that type of certainty about pretty much anything. So, hmm. you know, why are you requesting a standard?" here uh, when you don't have it in just interacting in your daily uh, world. Right. And so now he does say that certainty is possible, but it's only possible in deductive arguments that proceed from self-evident axioms. Uh, and so no argument that appeals to facts from the real world can furnish mathematical certain uh, conclusions, right? Uh, and so while uh, empirical proofs fall short of certainty, all factual decisions in life, notice, are based on such proofs. All of our knowledge about the real world and our decisions with regard to the real world are based on, uh, you know, inductive probability type of proofs, right? Historians, he says, and indeed all of us must make decisions constantly, and the only adequate guide is probability, since absolute certainty lies only in the realm of pure logic and mathematics, where by definition one encounters no matters of fact at all. And so probabist, probabilistic arguments for the truth of Christianity cannot be summary dismissed just because a vital religious question is at issue, right? Because you know, what he's suggesting here is this is the way we make our decisions about life in general, especially about things that have to do with the world. So outside of logic, pure logic and mathematics, induction and probability is the way we live. And so we shouldn't criticize then a religious question because it's based on induction and probability. That's what he's getting at. Right. Uh, um, uh, Hume points this out as well. Uh, he talks about the the, the problem of induction as, as well. And uh, and so uh, even scientists are forced to uh, live with probability sometimes. <laughs> well, on another level, though, uh, evidentialism affirms that a kind of certainty actually is possible. Evidentialists do not claim that most or best we can say is that God probably exists or that Jesus most likely rose from the dead. For them, apologetic arguments are designed to show that their conclusions are at least probably true. They, uh, that they are certainly true can also be known, according to evidentialists, but not by argument. Such certainty is a characteristic of faith and is made possible by the work of the Holy Spirit. And again, we're not talking about blind faith here. We're talking about a, a, a trust in and then uh, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, giving you that certainty. Uh, so here, uh, faith comes uh, uh, by God to the believer, and it's uh, through that uh, um, means that certainty is possible. Yeah, yeah, and and, and so um, and so we have this idea then that there is certainty, but it is with regard to the Holy Spirit, right? So they don't get they don't eliminate certainty. 
but it's not based on the facts. It's based on what God does in us. All right. That's also what, you know, William Lane Craig uh, famously argues as well. So he talks about knowing and showing. And so you can show that it's uh, highly likely that uh, Christ rose from the dead. Um, uh, he used as evidential uh, apologetics uh, there, uh, but he can also uh, talk about Kalam and uh, the, the possibility of a creator being the first mover. Uh, but as far as knowing that uh, Jesus rose from the dead, uh, that certainty comes uh, through only the Holy Spirit. Right. All right. So you have this emphasis on induction, and then that automatically leads to the emphasis on probability with regard to the arguments. And then uh, thirdly, he talks about uh, the, the evidentialist here, their approach has to do with content neutral methods, right? So the third point on which all of uh, evidentialist apologists agree, our authors tell us, is that evidentialism seeks to employ methods that are in principle acceptable to non-Christians as a means of convincing them of the truth of Christianity. And so these methods are modeled on those used by both Christians and non-Christians in various disciplines. So we have content neutral methods so that everybody agrees on the method. And if we can have that, then we can, you know, uh, convince the, the non-Christian about the faith of Christian, the truthfulness of the facts of Christianity. All right. Uh, good, good, good luck. <laughs> well, evidentialists believe it crucial to employ methods modeled on those of disciplines other than Christian theology or apologetics so that why non-Christians can understand and appreciate the validity of the arguments. Well, I mean, maybe a little bit more than that. It could be, uh, you know, that uh, we're kind of accepting the non-Christian uh, uh uh, availability of 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 the worldview uh, there or through the scholarly kind of um, means by which um, uh, other historical events are are, are looked at or uh, different types of um, evidenced um, um, items in history come about so that's where um, I think they're pulling from there well, Montgomery himself uses both historical methods and legal or judicial methods. These methods are closely related because, in fact, legal evidences are a form of historical inquiry, pursuing an accurate understanding of past events related to cases brought before a court. And uh, I, I think I, I did it on one of our short clips uh, before, is that if the state can use that uh, burden of evidence to uh, take your life uh, because they proved uh, beyond that standard that uh, you've uh, you've done some capital crime well then why can't we apply that same standard uh to uh, to historical events such as the resurrection because if we can prove it uh to to, to that level of means then uh surely if the state can take your life then we can put our life upon um the 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 case for for uh that historical event All right good and so now are our historical methods and legal methods used but another model of evidentialist apologetics um, that they make use of is the scientific method, right? And uh, our authors quote uh, Dan Story, who was a former student of Montgomery, and he speaks for many evidentialists when he expresses a preference for the scientific method precisely because it makes the truth of the Christian position verifiable for all people. Truth, he says, 
if it is to be acknowledged and accepted by all people as universal truth, must stand up to crucial scrutiny, it must be able to be tested. And so the scientific method, he argues, should be used. So we have these various, what they believe to be neutral methods, right? Both historical, legal, scientific methods of determining truth so that the unbeliever you know, can uh, accept, uh, you know, the, the claims here that are being made. Right, right. So, the, the, you know, that's that's the, the, the height of, of certainty is being able to demonstrate it, to uh, peer review it, uh, to uh, replicate it. Uh, and so if, if it's uh, going to match up again to that standard, then why not uh, view it with that same level of certainty? So they're trying to 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 move from an area like law or science and then say, well, if we use the same standard there as we do here, then your confidence uh, in, in putting your faith in it um, can can be even more so. Right, right. So these are content neutral methods is what they believe, right? right. And this allows them to make the claim then that they can uh, convince non-Christians because we're using the same methods that you use kind of. Right. Science and law and, and, and that sort of thing. Right. So trust us. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's right. History. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, we'll, we'll take a pause here and uh, uh, that's kind of the first uh, kind of uh, five or six or so um, uh, foundations for evidentialism. And then when we come back, we'll, um, we'll complete the, the rest of, of the, the items uh, spoken about here in chapter nine of our book, Faith Has Its Reasons. And always, you can uh, find the short clips on uh, YouTube and the, the website when I have free time and find that free time and then put those same clips on there. Uh, and then uh, you can find all our, our, our past uh, appearances on things and uh, uh, full episodes. Uh, you can go based on the books that we've done by going to the middle of the page, clicking on the book, and it takes you to absolutely everything that we've done on on uh, those books as well. So uh, you can head there for even more content. So uh, as always, uh, we'll say thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.